Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. God is good to us. He is so good to us. We don't deserve anything he's ever done for us. But he is good to us. And we give him praise and honor. In Jesus' name. God is good to us. Praise the Lord. How many of you ever seen someone standing on the street corner with a sign like this? No one should have to stand on the street corner and ask for food. Food is the God-given need that we have that should not one person have to suffer. How many of you will work for a miracle? How many will work for a miracle for God? As sad as it is, how many times have we seen people standing on the street corners begging for food? Saying that they will work for food. Some of them are legitimate. Some of them are telling the truth. They will get out and work for food. But how many of them are scamming? Have money at home or in the bank and standing on the street corner because they're too lazy to work. Too lazy to get out here and work a honest day's pay. And want people to hand them out. Because you know what? When they're holding up this sign, all they really want is somebody to hand them money. They really don't want to go over here and work and rake up some leaves or do something for, the, for, the, for, for earning of their, of their food. They just really want somebody to hand them some money. But not in all cases is that true. Because there are some people out here that are hurting, that's lost their jobs, that can't provide for their families, that can't do what they need to do. And they will get out here and humble themselves and work for food to take home to feed their families. I've seen it so many times. I've had people come up to me and ask me, could, could I have a few dollars to go get a biscuit? I said, I'll tell you what, come on with me. And I took them back in the store and I bought them a meal. Because I'm not going to hand them out money knowing whether or not they're going to take it out here and buy drugs or alcohol or do something with it that they shouldn't do. If they ask me for food, I'll take care of that. If they ask me for money, I may just turn my head and walk on. Not to be mean, not to be an unchristian like, but because my money is highly valuable and it has to go to do the right thing. But this is the world we live in these days a world of scamming. How smart these people are to scam people every day in any aspect of our lives. From computers to cell phones to anything they can do to scam you out of your money. If they would take the smarts that they have to use those things and use it for the kingdom of God. And do the work that God has called us all to do. How much greater would humanity be if we would have people use their minds and their abilities for the kingdom of God and for good? My scripture text is coming today from Luke chapter 2 verse 49. And it said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? 
This is Jesus talking. Let me give you a background. They had not gone to Jerusalem. And there was uh, the, the time they had to go to Jerusalem to pay tithes and pay the, the different things they have to do in the Jewish culture. Jesus was about 12 years old. Now there apparently was like a caravan of people had traveled from, from Bethlehem or Nazareth or wherever and coming into Jerusalem. So when Joseph and Mary and, and the rest of the family and the troop was leaving, they had gone three days journey out. But they didn't know where Jesus was. So it wearied them. Where's my son? So they go back and they wind up going to the temple. And they found Jesus. And they asked him, well, Jesus, what happened? Why didn't you come with us? And he said, How is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? Wist, W-I-S-T, in the King's English is the same thing as saying no, K-N-O-W. Know you not? Don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? Even at 12 years old, Jesus, the little boy, God Almighty, manifested in the flesh, knew what he was supposed to do. He had a job, he had a mission. And he came to fulfill that mission, to do the work of the father. Every one of us have miracles that we need from God right now. There's not a single person in this room and in this entire facility that does not need a miracle from God. Some are physical. Some are financial. Some are mental. Some are emotional. Some need restoration in things. And then there's others, miracles that we need to see our family members saved. And only God alone, only God is the one that can perform these miracles. Man can't do a miracle. Man cannot perform a miracle. He can use his abilities and knowledge that he has learned and studied, which came ultimately from God, to minister medical, medical needs. But there's still limitations that even man cannot do. But while we're waiting on God for our miracles... Are we supposed to just sit around and live our lives as we want to? Are we supposed to just lay around and mope and complain and live in a constant state of depression because God's not going to do our miracle on our timing? Or should we go ahead and do the work in the kingdom of God? We all have talents. We all have abilities of what we can do and what we cannot do. And we need to give those talents and those abilities to God. The more God, the Bible says, the more that thou hast been forgiven, the more of thou shall be required. If I told you some of the things I did out in the world before I got in the church, your head would spin. It'd spin and just fly up in the air because of what things I did. But when I was a sinner living in, living in sin and, and on the destination to hell, but God cleansed me and purified me when I went down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. Washed away my sins. And when I received the Holy Ghost 22 years ago, speaking in tongues. I'm not the same man. I'm not the same man in my future that I am now. I'm on a, a process that God is working on me and changing me. So what am I doing? I'm working in the kingdom of God. 
Because he's done so much for me. You know, I don't have I don't have my ears healed yet. This hissing goes on and on daily. But you know what? Am I going to lay around and complain and whine about it? I have. I have. But evidently there's something that's going on inside my spirit, man. It's getting stronger to the point that I'm able to endure it a little bit more than I could a year ago. But that doesn't mean that I'm not working for the kingdom of God. I'm working for my miracle. We can't earn the miracle. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We cannot earn the miracle. But we can work for it. Work for it. Work for the kingdom anticipating that miracle to come. But once we are saved and we have fulfilled God's salvation plan, we must be at work in the kingdom of God. We're not to be pew sitters. We're not to just sit around and hide our talents and not giving it to the furtherance of the kingdom of God. We must work for him in his kingdom until our miracle comes. And then we don't stop working in the kingdom after we receive our miracle. Do you think that once he heals my ears and restores them back to normal that I'm going to quit working and quit going to church and playing the drums for him and talking to you and preaching? No way. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to say, God's healed my ears. I don't have it no more. He gave me my miracle. Continue to work in the kingdom of God. In Psalm chapter 34 verse 19. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. As it's stated the righteous will face many afflictions in life. The reason we face these afflictions is because we're not only we were born into sin. Sin has corrupted the world. And it's corrupted everything that God ever created. Now, could he have wiped it off and started over? Sure he could have. But he made us in his image. We have his attributes. We can get angry. And when we get angry, we know God can get angry. We can have love and compassion and happiness and and, and peace. He has it too. Because he made us in his image. We're made a little more than the angels. But one day, we are the ones that's going to be risen up into heaven. And we are the very ones that it speaks of, I believe it's in Hebrews, I could be wrong, where the angels said that they desire to look into this. Look, there's those. There's those that's received the Holy Ghost. That's them. That's them. We're just human beings. But God loved us so much. So much. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you want everlasting life? 
You're going to have it somewhere. You're going to have it in heaven or you're going to have it in hell. I'm not going to smooth and sugarcoat the issue. It's one place or the other. Because I love you. I love you. I love everybody here. I love humanity. Because when you receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, there's something that happens inside your spirit, man, that changes you from what you used to be, and you see people differently. You have love. You have compassion for them. You wish you could do something to help them if they would let you. But sometimes people are just so messed up in the deceptions that Satan puts on them that they don't really even care. But as I stated, the afflictions that we get are going to be many, many things. But God will deliver the righteous out of his afflictions. And God can deliver the unrighteous out of their afflictions as well. And he may do that in order to win that soul, that person to him. And maybe many others that would see the miracle that he would do. But he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Bible also states that our righteousness is as filthy rags unto God. Now, if our righteousness is as filthy rags unto him, then what righteousness does he see that he will deliver us out of the afflictions? It's his righteousness. But how how do we get that righteousness? It's by the receiving of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. You will not receive the Holy Ghost in any other way but receiving it by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you have been told you've received the Spirit or born again and you haven't spoken tongues, I am not going to stand here and tell you you're okay. I'm going to tell you the Bible says, and I happen to agree with the Bible, you will speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost. That's His righteousness put into you. Psalm chapter 37, verses 4 and 5. We're taking a little journey today through verses and discussions about what it means to work for the kingdom of God. To work for a miracle. That's what we're doing today. We're taking a journey. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Delight thyself in the Lord. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, is joy determined on our outward circumstances? No. It's not supposed to be. Because we can be happy on the outside, and we can also be sad and depressed. And even angry and mad. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's inside of us. Because there again, where does it come from? The Holy Ghost. It comes from receiving the Holy Ghost. That's the joy. And you know what that joy does? It keeps you going. It boosts your mind and your heart. It says, you can do it. You can make it. Don't give up. Hang in there. It's tough. I'll get you through it. I told, them, I told the disciples I was going to the other side. We got in the boat. There was a storm come up. They got scared. They come back there and woke me up. I was tired just like you get tired. But they woke me up, and then I had to calm the storm. 
oh ye of little faith. That's what the Holy Ghost does for you. The joy of the Lord. To get us through this stuff. And if you commit your ways unto the Lord, commit your ways, okay? My ways, your ways, would be your life. Commit yourself unto God. Some of you in here could probably, most likely, do Bible study with other people in here, with your friends, your residents of here. You could probably sit and open up the Bible at the table and sit there and read the Bible and discuss some verses. Commit your ways unto God. Commit the things that you do. Now, God doesn't expect us 24-7, 365 without having a life and having some fun. But you know what? We've got to be sensitive. We go to Walmart. We go to Target or somewhere. We go to Six Flags or go on a vacation. Be sensitive. Be thinking about when you're standing there somewhere at the counter or you're over here in the aisle looking at some stuff and there's somebody standing right here beside you. Be sensitive and let God help you strike up a conversation or let them strike up a conversation and then work the conversation for the good and bring it in and talk about Jesus. What are we doing? We're working for a miracle. But living for God is not meant to be a drudgery or a chore or a sentence or something mandatory. We have a choice in that matter. Because God gave us the power of choice. Do you really understand? Does any human being really understand how strong the power of choice is in our life? I don't think we really do, including myself. How much choices we make that we are given liberties from God. Now, every choice we make may not be the right choice. But every choice that we make is also going to be known to God. Whether it be good or wrong. But the power of choice given to us, even though we receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and we're baptized in Jesus' name, I still don't have to go to church. I still can stay home. I don't have to do this. But why would I not want to? Why would I want to stay at home and, and, and do nothing? And waste the precious Holy Ghost that God filled me with? Living for God should be a delight. You should enjoy living for God. Even though we face circumstances that's beyond our control. Living for God should be like, hey, instead of thinking, okay, tomorrow morning we're going to get up and go to church. Why should I sit there and think, oh, man, I don't feel like getting up. I wish I could just stay here in the bed. You know what? Maybe I would feel like that sometimes. But you know what? When it's church time, I get up and get ready and I go. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But yet, going to church sometimes when you feel like staying home is a sacrifice. Praise God. Okay, Psalm 128 and verse 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. We are to work not only in our physical world, but 
to earn money for the sustainment of our own lives and our families. But we're to work in the kingdom of God as well. As laborers for the kingdom of God, we shall eat spiritually the fruit of our labor of love to reach the lost souls. When we attend church services, we shall, in a sense, eat the spiritual food through the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Our spirits should be happy and we should have peace within our souls. If you don't have peace in your soul, if you have turmoil going on, you might want to seek God. But when we work in the kingdom of God, it's sort of like a revolving door. We go into the church. We receive spiritual food and teaching and strength. And then we go back out and go out into the world and do the work of the kingdom. Spreading what we've already received. Sharing it in other avenues. And then we go back into the revolving door, go back into the church, receive it again, get preached to spoke to from the Lord, take it out there again into the byways and the highways. All the time doing the work of the Lord. Proverbs 16 and verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Our works should be committed unto God. If we preach or teach or do Bible studies, or play the drums as I do in church, or sing and write, we should commit these works unto God. Even when we are working at a job to earn money, we should be committed to God within our own heart and be thankful unto Him for providing the needed work. I thank Him every time I have work. In committing the works, our works unto God, our thoughts are to be established. In other words, we are more kingdom-minded, thinking on how we can contribute more of ourselves unto God's work. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13 through 15. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath, be, hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. All the work that we do in life shall be brought forth to the fire. If our work in king, God's kingdom is good and established on the word of God, it shall remain. An example is in all of the material that I have written over the years. I, I use myself a lot as an example because, I mean, I can't base my messages on anybody else. But God has called me over the years to be a writer. I've written many, many things beyond what I've shared up here with y'all in preaching. But that these things are like, they're Bible studies, they're messages, poems, Bible-based articles, things that he's given me. Christian-based songs. But the works that we do in God's kingdom should stand up as being a labor of love to reach the lost souls. Those works shall remain and not be burned by the fire. Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. <clears throat> Working in God's kingdom should not be considered to be weary. Working in God's kingdom should be considered as a privilege to be able to work in his kingdom in a body of believers 
that you would go to church with. To be born again and called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light should be counted as an honor to be a worker in God's kingdom. I don't think I'm anything. I don't think I'm anything special to stand up here and preach to y'all or to go to church and play the drums for God. I ain't nothing. I'm not known in this world. I'm not famous. I have a small little world of circle of friends and family. And y'all are all a part of that. But I'm known by God. I'm known by Him. I'm just willing to do what He calls me to do. We're going to get tired. We're going to get burned out. The human mind can only handle just so much each day. And then at a certain point, it sort of, sort of like shuts down. And that's why we have to sleep and rest because God goes in there and does a lot of miraculous things, miracles for us while we sleep. But it's just as long as we're doing the good things of God, working in His kingdom, we shouldn't allow ourselves to become weary of performing the tasks that He's called us to perform. We should not see working in God's kingdom as an obligation, but rather as a blessing. However, there are times when we're doing certain jobs in the kingdom that it's going to be time that job comes to an end. We don't always do the same things once we're into the kingdom of God forever. And I'm fixing to give you an example. Probably in less than a year after I got in church and received the Holy Ghost, a couple of good brothers in the church that buddied up with me to help get me rooted and grounded and established in the kingdom of God and helped me to realize that you've got the truth now, Daryl. This is what God has wanted for you. They buddied up with me, and especially this one particular brother. And after a few months, my former pastor, Brother Cole, he went and talked to him and asked him about putting me on the bus ministry. Even though I was a brand new convert, I didn't know much about God as far as the apostolic truth. But I had been raised up in the church in, in, in another faith, and I knew about the Lord, but not as to in the depth of what I was about to learn. So I got put on the bus ministry. And every, every Sunday morning I had to get up faithfully and get up early and get up to the church along with another friend that would ride with me on the bus and we would pick up these people and bring them to church. Amen. Well, my wife had to work a lot of Sundays and she didn't get to come to church but most of the time on Sunday night. So these two girls right over here when they were little bitties, I had to get them in the van, in the car seats and take them with me. And stop by Dunkin' Donuts every morning and eat breakfast. And then go pick up these kids and these people for the church. Amen. Did it for years. Years. But at a point in time, in my heart, I believe it was time for me to move on. And what happened was, one Sunday morning after we was taking these kids back home, they were a little bit loud and unruly, more so than they ever had been. And I had turned and yelled at them, all of those little bus kids, to be quiet. They were quiet. But when I got back to the church, I took to my pastor's son, I handed him the keys. I said, I can't do it anymore. 
Because it had become an obligation for me. I felt I had to be on that team. And it got to the point there was nobody else even working that bus ministry with me. It was like I had it all by myself. Because the brother had to move on and go on to do something else. And I just thought in my mind, well, maybe that's the way God wanted to use that because I felt, I felt so obligated. I felt like I could not step off of this bus ministry because I knew after all these years I was ready to move somewhere else and get over with it. And so when I yelled at those kids, I felt God tell me that's time to go. So we're not always going to do the same thing forever. But what we have to do is to be available to let God use us where he wants us to be at that point in our life. When I was on that bus ministry, I never in my life would have ever thought I would be standing up before anybody preaching. Never. And my opportunity is coming one day to preach in a church. In God's timing, not mine. But I never would have done this 20 years ago. Because I wasn't ready. But I continued to do the little things that I could do. I was on the bus ministry. And then I, I was also teaching home Bible studies. Playing the drums in church. Giving of myself to the best of my ability in my own little way. Working for a miracle. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, but I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. Whatever your life is in right now. Whatever your health is, whatever your situation is with your family, your walk with God, you need to be content. Paul says we need to be content with where we are. And the reason we're not always content is because we have humanity. We have the I want it now attitude. I need it now, God. I need you to take this hissing off my ears now. But he's sitting there thinking, that's what you think. But I know you're going to be able to endure it for this amount more time. God wants to help us to have patience. And I've learned that more so over the last 22 years than I've ever had in my life. Patience. The Bible says that God is long-suffering and patient. And I know his timing is not our timing. But if, if he works on his timing, his timing might be that long, but in us it'll be a lifetime maybe. I might go to the grave with this hissing in my ears. I might go in the rapture if it takes place before I go to the grave. I don't know. But I've got to be content. And I've got to be at peace in my own heart. In my own mind. And keep working. Keep working. Keep working. First Thessalonians 3 and 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. We're appointed 
for afflictions. Jesus suffered afflictions. Amen. The Bible says if your master suffers afflictions, suffers, I'm just going to paraphrase it, we're not greater than our master. If he suffered, we're going to suffer. I don't like it any more than you do. But if we suffer, that's because it's what is pointed unto us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If God's for us, who can be against us? Like I said a minute ago, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and we're going to the other side. They had fear. And because of that, they got fearful and the storm came up and they didn't continue on. They had to wake Jesus up. But our fear, the fear that we feel, doesn't come from God, it comes from Satan. So let me close it up with this. I feel that God's closing me down. I've got a little bit more to speak on. But I try to let God tell me what he wants. So are you going to work for miracles? Are you going to work in the kingdom of God to the best of your ability with what you have? Are you going to be standing there holding up a sign? We'll work for food. We'll work for a miracle. And deceive everybody and all you really want is a handout of money. Or you're going to stand there and tell the Lord you're going to work for the kingdom but all you really want to do is just sit on the pew or sit at home and watch TV and expect Him to give you everything you need to get into heaven. Or are you going to humble yourself, get down on your bended knees and pray to God and seek His face and tell him, God, whatever you have for me to do in the kingdom, that's what I'll do. Amen. Some people are called to go around the world and preach in other countries and be missionaries. Some people are called to be, be right here on this mission field in the United States. Amen. Where are you going to put yourself? Where are you going to allow God to use you? Are you going to work for a miracle? Or are you going to expect a handout and a freebie? Because that's what we're talking about today, folks. Working for a miracle. Because the biggest miracle that happened in this world is when God Almighty, through the Holy Ghost, impregnated Mary. And brought us forth Jesus Christ to die on that cross. And how many of us are going to accept Him and believe in Him and He's our Savior. God bless you. Thank you so much.